We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Chris Biederman still on assignment. So Tracy Sandler, the Fangirl Sports Network, the 49ers Fangirl, has joined us for day three 49ers draft chat. We'll go through the 49ers picks from the three-day event and just kind of discuss the direction the team is headed. Let's get into it. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Tracy Sandler's here. Um, the 49ers fangirl, you know her on Twitter and IG and from covering the 49ers. Tracy, you were live at 49ers HQ. You were you are in the mud right now. Your first time I'm, back there since what the 2019 draft? It is. It's the first time back here since the 2019 draft. And I have to say it's it's different. Like you you just forget how different it is to do things in person. And obviously we were at games and practice and all that in person last year, but you know, the draft is different and it's funny because at home you're kind of like, well, I'm just going to, you know, get up and do a snack and then there's a pick and then we do zoom and then we write the stories and all of the things. But anyways, it is different being back here. It's certainly more fun being back here, back uh, with my colleagues got to be in person, of course, with John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. Uh, and uh, it is, it is really nice. My dogs have been my colleagues the last couple of years and they're amazing, <laughs> but their draft knowledge is just not that high. And they're not much of conversationalists and they don't laugh at my jokes. These guys don't <laughs> laugh at my jokes either, but at least there's someone there to give me a reaction to tell me how bad they are, you know? So sure. For what it's, it's worth, I'd that. rather hang out with your dogs than Eric Branch. So <gasps> I think that <laughs> Branch is the best. <laughs> joking. Love Eric, friend of the pod. So on, uh, on the pod after Friday's picks, we went over Drake Jackson, Tyran Davis price and Danny gray. The Niners made six picks in the in day three that's rounds four through seven offensive lineman spencer burford from utsa uh samuel warmack uh Sam, samuel womack a cornerback from toledo uh nick zakel from fordham he's an offensive tackle uh kalia davis a defensive lineman from central florida another cornerback Tariq castro fields from penn state and then brock purdy was mr irrelevant 
the 262nd pick, the final pick, the quarterback from Iowa State. So, Tracy, where I kind of want to start with this, because I don't want to go deep dives on on each of the players, but I I thought it was I think it's interesting that they continue taking these offensive linemen. They need interior line help, but Burford mostly played tackle at UCSA, UTSA. Zakel was a tackle at Fordham. But the plan, it looks like, is to move those guys inside, which is something that we've seen them do with Colton McKivitz. We saw him do it mm-hmm. with uh, Jalen Moore last year. I wonder, I'm interested to get your thoughts on this because I don't know if this is a matter of them just liking the athletic qualities of tackles on the interior or if there's just genuinely no interior offensive linemen that they think are good and they think that these guys are (laughs) going to be better if they move them inside. It could be both of those things. Before we get there, I just want to point out no trades made, which I think is the first time in the Lynn Shanahan era that not a single trade was made in this draft. They used all nine of their picks, which I think was somewhat surprising for those of us who've been familiar with the team covering this team for a while. So I I just want to say that I think what you just said, it could be a combination of both. I think they do like the athletic ability of tackles and maybe they really just didn't find anybody that they thought was a good fit. And it, it feels a little bit like in this draft specifically, and I know they do this generally, but in this draft specifically, it was a little bit about, we like this player. We think he works for us. He is where we have him on our board and we're going to make it work. And I I think that that's basically what they did because you're right. They are moving guys, which is something they seem to have done in the past, but the draft is so interesting and it's kind of such a crapshoot to begin with that I think for teams, especially this team, they see a player with abilities that they like, they're going to find a way to make it work. Hopefully to the positive of the team, because the interior of the offensive line is probably the biggest need for the 49ers. And it was not specifically addressed. It was addressed as we just discussed, but it wasn't specifically addressed. I'm going to put it that way. I did think as well. So I was of the mind that going into the draft, there were like tiers of needs. And for me, offensive line was at the top. Mm -hmm. Like They need offensive line help. And then after that, there was this second tier of like edge safety and corner where, yeah, they have starters at those spots, but their depth could be better. And they could certainly afford to get a player. Like I think Drake Jackson is the kind of player who could come in and eventually push for like regular pass rush snaps, not just as a, you know, third or fourth Mm -hmm. rotational guy. And I think that's the hope. I mean, I think the hope is that eventually he's on the other side, you know, opposite Nick Bosa always. The, the, the day three picks though, Samuel Womack from Toledo and Tariq Castro fields. I think both of those guys fit the, not necessarily the mold, but fit the, that, that category of player, like Womack was, I think Dane Brugler had him as like the 44th corner and an, and an undrafted free agent type. Uh, and then he had Castro fields as like a fourth rounder. Mm-hmm. The Niners took him in the sixth. But both players who, you know, when you start to read about them and you watch them a little bit, it's like maybe maybe Womack develops into a slot corner next year. Mm-hmm. And maybe Castro Fields develops into a starting caliber outside corner next year. Like you see the tools there, the physical tools, how they're built, and then their athleticism, but they may not necessarily be factors this year. And I think that kind of goes for the entire draft. Like when mm-hmm. you just look at all nine picks, it feels like to me, and maybe you feel differently, but it feels like to me, this was a draft that was like, okay, if we get a starter this year, great, but this is for contributors in 2023 and beyond. So I have a few thoughts on that. I'm going to start with the most recent thing that you said, 
in the last minute. Um, I agree with you because I think this team for the most part is set. I mean, you know, John Lynch even said on Monday, the team is pretty much set and ready to go. So they, they had positions of need, but nothing of dire need, if that makes sense, aside from maybe the interior of the offensive line. So I think that they were kind of in a position and maybe even a little bit of a luxury where this year they could draft guys for the future. And uh, John Lynch just said, when we talked to him with Kalia Davis, I mean, this is a guy that could start the season on the pup list, but they have the luxury of that being fine for them because they might be looking to him, you know, to 2024. And I think that was true of this draft. As you said, this team just went to the NFC championship game. They are in pretty good shape. Yes. They lost free agents here and there, and they lost some very important free agents, but this team is in pretty good shape and pretty ready to compete. They did what they wanted to do in free agency. So the draft was very much like picks of the future, specifically at the corner position. I have a couple of things to say. One John Lynch had made a point of saying, when we just talked to him, Obviously, they have this open position at nickel, and a lot of people are going to compete for it. But I think the corner position is interesting for this. First of all, they have two starting corners who are undrafted free agents. So clearly, having a late-round corner picker and undrafted is just is not a concern right. for the 49ers. One of those guys, Emmanuel Mosley, he's a free agent at the end of 2023. You know, they have Ambry Thomas, who came on late in the season, who I think we'll see play a little bit of nickel. We may see Mosley play nickel. But you have that, and then you have these other guys that might they might be able to develop that after 2023, if they wanted to move on from Emmanuel Mosley, they could move on from Emmanuel Mosley because they have other options and guys are able able to develop in the in the next year. So I think that's kind of an interesting thing in this corner position. It does give them depth. Um, so now you have Charvarius Ward, Emmanuel Mosley, Ambry Thomas, Samuel Womack, Tariq Castro Fields. They were really big on three name guys this draft. Tariq <laughs> Castro Fields and. Um, and then you have Diamondor Lenore, who started kind of strong, really fell off there. We'll see what happens with him, you know, in this coming year. But they all of a sudden do have some depth and flexibility at a position where they really didn't. The other thing I'll say is one thing with Emmanuel Mosley, he's had a lot of trouble staying healthy for an entire season. Mm-hmm. And he is starting from last year, you know, he started training camp on the COVID list, and then there was his hamstring, and then there was his knee, and then he ended up injuring his ankle. So it behooves them to have some guys that maybe we look at as future but who see how training camp goes, who could step in and take on a starting role if, ne- if necessary. So I give my thoughts on this on Friday's podcast and I, I want to get yours. I, we talked about the day three picks all look like the kind of players that, okay, maybe one of them or two of them can contribute this year, but probably looking down the road where, mm-hmm. where they might be legitimate contributors. I think Drake Jackson is the player that they want to do something in 2022 Danny Gray, same kind of thing. You know, maybe he does something in 2022. His speed is just different. Like he adds something. By the way, did I say 2024 for Kalia Davis? I meant 2023. I'm sorry, guys. I didn't want to cause widespread panic in 49er Nation. I apologize. <laughs> I got my ears confused. Sorry. Continue. Um. So, so I've I've lost track of just time in general. Okay. Like so time just doesn't exist anymore. So I wrote, play. I wrote 2021 <laughs> draft in every post I wrote over the last three days. Fantastic. I could, I like I, I've got zero concept of what year we're in. It's 2022. Next year's 2023. I that's think what I'm hearing. Confirm. I can confirm, <laughs> confirm that that's true. But no, I talked about Danny Gray. I think he just adds something different, how big of a contributor he is. You know, we'll see. But the really head-scratching pick was Tyrion Davis-Price, the running mm-hmm. back from LSU. Is this... I. 
is this some like an anti-Trey Sermon thing, or are they just really high on what this one-year college starter can do? I think it's a few things. You know, if you listen to what Kyle Shanahan said last night about running backs and their running back room, and they they do go through running backs in a season, um, they need a lot of depth at the position. He talked a little bit about Trey Sermon. It, he said, you know, they they haven't, he didn't say they haven't given up on Trey, but essentially he said, like, you know, they still think Trey can do it, et cetera, et cetera. It was pretty clear from last season. They don't have a tremendous amount of confidence in Trey Sermon's ability in the NFL. So I think that's certainly part of it. I think obviously uh, Tyrion and I just like calling him Tyrion because I think of Lannister, but I think Tyrion who doesn't doesn't, because and Tyrion Lannister was amazing. So if he, this guy turns out to be just half that guy, (laughs) but if Tyrion David's price can also maybe take a little bit of a load off Debo Samuel, he has tremendous blocking ability. He's a very big physical back. You know, I think the Danny Gray pick and the price, the Davis price pick both, would lead one to believe they are looking in terms of taking a little bit of a workload off their disgruntled wide back. So I I, I do think that's part of it. Um, So I think maybe they fell in love with him. And one thing I will say about Kyle Shanahan is his ability to, other than Trey Sermon, of course, but his ability to um, find a running back and maybe one that not everybody else was as high on and, and make him, I don't want to say a star, but a certainly a very productive player I do trust his ability in that. So I think it's a bit of a combination, but I certainly don't think it's real praise for Trey Sermon. I have a hard time believing that Trey Sermon is going to come into the off-season program and training camp this year and just wow everybody and, you know, knock their socks off because you have Elijah Mitchell, who was picked much later, who just leapfrogged him by leaps and bounds, literally and figuratively. Um, So I I don't, I certainly don't think it's a, a real positive in the Trey Sermon camp. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. How did you feel about their draft overall? 
It's interesting. I mean, I think it's somewhat of an interesting draft, but I kind of go back to what I said earlier. This was a draft to fill some needs and add some depth, but where they didn't have to get a lot of things. Um, I think there was also concern after we talked to John Lynch on Monday, it felt like Alex Smith was, pro- I mean, Alex Smith, Alex Smith's not playing for the 49ers anymore. <laughs> not anymore. He's, also not, he's definitely not playing center for them. But Alex Mack, it sounded like he was going to retire because John Lynch said he didn't want to announce news before the player announced news. They go through those first three picks of the draft. They don't address center. Last night, it sounds like, well, maybe it's fluid. And, and now it sounds like it's a lot more possible he comes back. John Lynch said they had gathered all the information they needed for this draft. So save that, they needed some depth and help. They didn't have any dire, dire needs. And I think this draft reflects that. There was nobody, you know, they didn't trade up at all. So there clearly was nobody that they felt like they had to get. Uh, They had nine picks. There was potential to trade and pick earlier in the second round. There was ability to get, you know, more another third round pick another fourth round pick another fifth round pick they didn't do mm-hmm. that so they kind of let who was there fall to them and see how they can make it work on their team but i don't think that 49er fans are necessarily used to seeing a team in that kind of position in this regime even after the super bowl year there mm-hmm. were things they had to do and that's when they got trent williams and just retired and all the things so i don't think the 49ers fans are used to seeing a team like that but that really is kind of where they are Cause it's a weird draft. I know a lot of people didn't like it, but in fairness to them, they didn't have to do a lot. Yeah. And I think the worst thing they could have done is slam the panic button where yeah. they're unloading picks to move up from 61 to get an offensive lineman, just to say they got an offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. And now they're using draft capital to do that. I, I was of the mind going into this draft that, Hey, if there's an offensive lineman that is near the top of their board at 61 that they really like, then go get him. But I think just standing pat and just letting the board kind of play out was was the move because they used a second round pick on Aaron Banks. They've mm-hmm. used a fifth round pick on Jalen Moore. They they now have fourth and fifth round picks, sixth round picks invested again in the mm-hmm. offensive line. Like they have bodies. They have Daniel Brunskill who can who can be a starter at right guard. You'd like him to upgrade there, but I didn't think they they needed to slam the panic button and, and go get offensive linemen, which is really the only position of, like I said, that, that kind of tier one need. Uh, so I, I was a little bit surprised, but I think if you're drawing it up, you'd rather draw it, draw it up this way where, yeah, they're just taking players they think are good. Like having good football players is better than not having good football players. In my opinion, that is, <laughs> you should be coaching in the NFL. Cause that is, and you should you. be a GM. Cause that right mm-hmm. there Thank is you. gold. Having good football players is always better than having not good football mm-hmm. players. So right there, that mm-hmm. is genius. That should be your quote tweet for this episode. Uh, I also think Drake Jackson has the potential to be really good. I mean, I think that he has the potential to be someone that down the road is like, wow, that was quite, you know, the pick at 61. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned Aaron Banks, and I want to bring him up because we'll see if this is true or not. And I'm, I'm a little skeptical, but you know, <laughs> Shanahan, excuse me, it's been a long it's three okay. days. Um, my voice is my voice again. Kyle Shanahan did say at the owners' meetings that they were ready to play Aaron Banks midway through last season, and then they got on a run. You know, he's. I asked him about it actually about the owners about Aaron Banks and are you how do you feel about him? Are you excited about him? And he said we thought he was there midway through the season, but then we went on a run. It was round three and five. It's interesting. I'm going to go back a few months. I asked Kyle uh, at playoff time 
if there was ever a point at three and five where he was thinking of making the change at quarterback, not because he didn't believe in Jimmy, but because he felt like at this point, I got to just give Trey the reps. And he said no uh, and said, though, that, but said not at three at five, but it, he knew they were at a point where within a couple games, mm-hmm. if things went wrong, they were going to have to start giving a number of guys opportunities. Fast forward to the owners' meetings, I just asked about Aaron Banks and how much confidence they have in him. And he said, basically said that he was one of those guys, but then they went on a run and they didn't want to mess with the chemistry of the offensive line, but they felt midway through last season that Aaron Banks was ready to play some football. We will never know if that actually would have happened. And we won't know really till this coming season, how he is. But with that in mind, Aaron Banks has the potential to be a bit of a surprise considering where he started from last year. Right. TBD on that, but I'm just gonna I'm just throwing out that little piece of knowledge, if you will. I think, but I I think that that's relevant because if they were just out on Aaron Banks, if they just thought, hey, there's no chance this guy's gonna be good, I think maybe we do see them be more aggressive finding mm-hmm. an interior offensive lineman. But instead, they get Spencer Burford, who okay, maybe, uh, maybe played played four offensive line spots in college. Maybe he maybe he fits in. Um, uh, Nick Zakel, maybe he fits in somewhere uh, transitioning from tackle to, to to guard. But I really think if they were just, if they did not have any belief in Aaron Banks or Jalen Moore or Colton McKivitz or whoever, mm-hmm. they would have they done that panic button where it's like, okay, they need to get a starting caliber player this year. Um, oh, I think yeah. I think if they had no confidence in Aaron Banks, we would have seen them be very aggressive on the trade market. I don't mm-hmm. think Debo, Debo Samuel aggressive, but mm-hmm. I think we would have seen them be very aggressive because they would have no choice. Because you have Trey Lance coming in, and you cannot put him in a position where he's getting pummeled every single play. So, mm-hmm. I agree with that. So I'm glad you brought up Debo Samuel because that's the thing I kind of wanted to end on here. He winds up not getting traded. It looked like mm-hmm. after night one, when he didn't go at that tenth pick with the Jets, that it was done. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating to me that Matt Barrows from The Athletic reported, friend of the pod, Matt Barrows, reported that the Jets offered 10 and a fifth round pick for Debo and number 61. Mm -hmm. And that's fascinating to me that that's where they valued Samuel. Where they went, we're going to have to pay this guy and if we're going to do that, we don't want to have to give up a lot to get it. Okay. So my counterpoint to that is what I think has been, if I'm the 49ers or if I'm just me, is my issue with the Debo Samuel situation to begin with. I think Debo Samuel is a tremendous talent. He is an incredibly unique talent. But there is an injury history that dates back to South Carolina. He's had one breakout year and I'm not taking anything mm-hmm. away from that breakout year, mm-hmm. but you're, he's not going to get, it's not going to be an AJ Brown type offer. I don't think it is a Terry Rekill type offer. Devonta Adams. These are guys who've had, who've shown durability and who've shown productivity year after year. The thing with Debo, what makes him so unique is the ability to play both positions. I think they should try to use him primarily as a wide receiver. I think he will, last longer. And I think if he can stay healthy, he has tremendous potential, but the reality is he had one breakout year where he's playing two positions and he's not, has not shown durability. That is not a knock on Debo Samuel. There's right. no disrespect to Debo Samuel. It's just facts. So that didn't surprise me as much 
because I think from a value perspective, it's still a little bit of a chance because they are going to have to pay in big money. So they would be thinking, we're going to need something else too. Going into the draft, did you think that Debo Samuel was going to still be on the 49ers at this point yes. Saturday? Yes. Yes. I did. I said, I said that all I was in, I was on some radio shows, podcasts on my own podcast. I was like, I, I just don't think they're going to trade him unless they got some incredible package for him. But even then they don't want to trade him. He's and it's right. <laughs> right. They're not they eager to get rid of the guy. They're not ready to. Yeah. They're not eager to get rid of him. And honestly, it's the best place for him. I mean, it really is. So they'll figure it out. But that being said, no, I don't think they're looking to get rid of Debo Samuel. And going back to the Trey Lance discussion, the other thing you don't want to do is take away one of his most prolific offensive weapons. Like it's going to be enough. Like Trey, I think Trey, I, I don't buy all this Trey's not ready stuff. I think it's ridiculous. Like I think he's ready. I think they're excited about him. All of those things, but he is essentially a rookie quarterback coming in to start for a team. They are going to have to deal with some stuff on the interior of the offensive line. Even if everybody is gangbusters and as good as they want them to be, there's going to be new chemistry there. You have all mm-hmm. these kind of things going on. The last thing you want to do is be like, oh yeah, also we're going to take away Debo Samuel. Good luck, buddy. I was, <laughs> I was pretty indifferent toward it mm-hmm. until the 10th pick came up. Mm-hmm. And when the Jets were on the clock, I was like, they can't trade this guy. Mm-hmm. Like they can't do it. There's just no way they felt too. <laughs> yeah. I had to, so I'm, I'm really interested to see how this plays out. You, you've been very busy. I have been aggregating from home. You've been, <laughs> you've been doing the work at the facility. Um, did you by chance see the Odell Beckham jr. Tweet? I did. I did. So it can't, and it was about, you know, I guess 10 minutes before we were going to go in to talk to them. And I thought, Oh God, are we going to have to actually ask them about this? Cause I was like, there's no way this is true. There's no chance that like Odell no Beckham way. Jr. is breaking no news. Way. On, right. That's just not true. So then luckily Tom Pelissero saved us all and tweeted just a few minutes later. Yeah, this is not true. Like carry on. So I did see the tweet, but then, so now I wonder like, does this mean like, is this a ploy for Odell Beckham Jr. to end up in San Francisco? Yeah. If, um, <laughs> if, if anybody missed it, Odell Beckham Jr. tweeted like right before the Niners were going to make their last pick. Mm-hmm. Breaking right news! Before. Breaking news at 19 problems. That's Debo Samuel. So basically, breaking news: Debo Samuel to the Patriots, and then what the f with a whole bunch of f's. Mm-hmm. And like you said, Tom Pelissero, Albert Breer, Ian Rappaport all came out very shortly after and said this isn't true. But that brief moment of panic, where like now for so there's all the draft stuff to do. Now mm-hmm. all of a sudden, the Debo Samuel trade is on the table, but it is not on the table. So, I actually, as soon as I saw it, I was like, this is not real. There's no, no, I was like, I was like, what, what are they getting for Debo Samuel? They're getting Kendrick Bourne back. Like, what are they getting for Debo Samuel right. from the Patriots? So, so no offense to KB. Love him. Great dancer. Wonderful you know, energy. Big but, Kendrick you know, Bourne guy. Big uh, I'm, I love, I'm big on vibes and Kendrick Bourne has elite, elite vibes. He's the vibest. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, on, on the Debo Samuel thing. How do you think this plays out now? Because to for for me, I don't know at this point how you justify moving him. Like if he wants to sit out, so be it. I don't think he's sitting out. I, I think either. they figured out. I don't think he's sitting out. I think now that the draft is over, I think now that things have kind of fallen, um, you know, you've had a couple of wide receiver trades. I think now that you see it, and when you look at the AJ Brown contract, like if you really look at the numbers, it's actually not 
really off of a comparison is what I think they would end up paying Debo Samuel. I know like four years, $100 million, $57 million guaranteed, but I believe he's still making, and I don't quote me on this because I'm not 100% sure, but I believe he's still making his base salary of $4 million in 2022. I think mm-hmm. this ends up really being a $20 million a year contract, 20-ish million dollar year contract. I'm not amazing at math. I am no Prague. So like, again, let's not quote me on these numbers, but I believe that that's kind of where this ends up. So I think they figure it out. I think they pay him somewhere between 22 and 25 million. I think they get it done. They probably get it done sooner than later. Now that it's very clear, he's not being traded. Phase two starts Monday. Like that's, Mm -hmm. and not everybody was here for phase two, for phase one, phase two starts Monday. I do not believe that we're going to go that far into the off-season program without something getting done with Debo Samuel. All right. There's Some mine. optimism on that front. It's, I am, it's I'm an optimistic sort of person, so take that for what it's worth. But I actually do believe that because I also think it, it's now beneficial for everybody. Like The other thing Debo Samuel does not want to happen is to hold out and then come back and get hurt right away. And now he's still not durable. Like, you know, right, this right. is not helpful for anybody. Um, and if he wants to prove something like, Prove it. I, do, I really do believe also that those two of those picks, I think Danny Gray and the Tyrion Lannister pick, these are the thought name, Tyrion Davis Price. <laughs> Tyrion Davis Price, sorry. I just, I had to one more time. I missed the show. That, that Davis Price, I do think both of those picks were also a little bit, they obviously help, they help the offense, but they, they were also a little bit of us, a little of them saying, like, let's, here are a couple things we're doing take mm-hmm. a little bit of a load off you if that's part of the you know like I do think that that's part of it and it helps the team of course but I just think something will end up getting done sooner rather than later I know they normally wait till July for these things I don't think that's going to fly here and I think it's better for the everyone involved to just get it done so there's my feeling on that we'll wrap up this post day three draft podcast with this did you have a favorite pick from the draft Either favorite, mm. like football wise, or favorite, like because you've been in zooms with with all these guys. Everybody, now. is there anybody that that just kind of blew you away personality wise? I really like Samuel Womack. Um, I really like Drake Jackson. I have to say, there were quite a few of them where I was like, oh. I like him, I like him. But I would say, um, yeah, I, Samuel Womack. I, I don't know. There's something about him. That I really like. I also think Drake Jackson's five fun facts is going to just be fire. Like it may blow up the five fun facts world. Wow. That's, That's huge I mean, news. It's a, it's a prediction. You guys get excited, but I would say he's, um, I, I don't like to play five fun facts favorites. Sometimes I do because, mm-hmm. you know, obviously Ambry Thomas's was perfect because he went to Michigan. So like, what can you do about that? Right. Go but blue. I don't go blue. So, um, but I think the other thing, oh, then the other person that really got me, of course, just waving hello to Matt, Matt Mayoko there. Um, was friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. I did ask, I believe it was Tariq Castro Fields. I said, you know, how familiar with you with the 49ers corners now? And he said to me, well, I know they have Ambry Thomas who went to Michigan. So immediately favorite. That's your guy. And I mean, I was, I almost felt like, did he do research on me? Like, is this, <laughs> is that what happened here? Did he know what he was doing? But um, those would be the ones that kind of stood out. But I did, it actually felt like a pretty good group from as much as you can glean from a bunch of Zooms. It's right. not like a pretty good group personality wise. Yeah. Samuel Womack from Toledo, a fifth round pick was he did not, this is according to Dan Brugler. He didn't have any D one offers going into college because he was focused so much on playing basketball. 
walked oh. on it to walked on it Toledo in 2017, got a scholarship in 2018, and then led the team in pass breakups in 2019, 20, and 21. Like I mean, that's, that's impressive. Easy person to root for. <laughs> that is a very he's and, and really had a nice personality. I really liked him. So yeah, yeah we are go Samuel forever. All right, so that's that's who. You, okay, you've got the the Samuel Womack cape on. I see it. Okay, but that should not be confused with the fact that Drake Jackson's five fun facts is just gonna be. Fire. It's gonna okay. All right, well, we'll make sure to uh, to follow along there at Forty ers Fangirl on Twitter. She is the founder and CEO of the Fangirl Sports Network, and she has a podcast, the Tracy Sandler Show, that is on uh, the Believe Podcast Network. Tracy, I know that you are even more out of gas than I am, so we'll uh, we'll stop this here. Uh, really appreciate you taking time to uh, top on today. Well, I appreciate you letting me come on, having me on, and letting me play the role of Chris Peterman for this episode. So, thank you, you just, so much. I mean, if that was the case, he would never come back. You're just, I mean. <laughs> we won't tell him. <laughs> but no, he's not going to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tracy, we'll see you. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com